Hey, welcome to The Conversation. You're listening to Andy Mason, and this is authentic conversations around the messy intersection of faith, family, and business. And this episode, I want to unpack seven keys of how God views your work. Uh, Why is this important? Because many people have no idea how significant your daily work is in terms of meaning, of significance, and the way that actually God set it up and sees you. So I'm going to highlight some key points. What I encourage you to do is where these resonate with you, don't just believe me. Actually, go back to the Word of God. Look up the Scriptures yourself and just seek into this because the more you unpack it, the more you're going to actually get excited about what is possible with the work of your hands, with what you do on a day-to-day basis. You spend so much time there. What if there was a whole lot more meaning, purpose, and significance to what you do? So here we go, diving in, and it's up to you to go deeper. Uh, if you want to find out more of what we're doing with Heaven and Business, jump onto heavenandbusiness.com, and you can find a whole heap of video content that will kind of unpack a bunch of this and take you further in your identity with God at work, uh, growing in culture, and then growing in influence. So let's just uh, jump and dive into these. Uh, point number one is Jesus broke the curse. So when we read in the book of Genesis that uh, Adam and Eve created, God placed them in a garden and said, tend and keep it uh, to, to nurture, to protect, to cultivate, to have dominion, not over one another, but actually over creation to make it beautiful. I love what Timothy Keller says in his book, Every Good Endeavor. God made the world not as a warrior who digs a trench, but as an artist who creates a masterpiece. That was the original intent and design, and work was a part of the original plan. It was before the fall. So that's part of God's perfect plan, is work. So get used to it and recognize that the way that he made work was not the way that we live it out today. It was supposed to be in communion with the Father, walking with God in the cool of the day. And as a result of Adam and Eve making a mess, that's when there was a curse. Cursed be the land for you. By the sweat of your brow, you will cultivate, you will work, you will strive. So striving and sweat of the brow, not by just hard work, but by this toil, this never-ending, never enough, uh, that striving is actually part of the curse. The curse of work was then broken. John 19.30, Jesus said, it is finished. The curse was paid for in full. The blood from Jesus didn't just pay for you to get back into right standing with God, but actually paid for the earth to be restored to the fullness of the original standard, what was planned in the beginning. Jesus broke the curse. Work is not cursed. Work is something we get to do with God, and it becomes a great pleasure and joy. That's number one. Number two, work is worship. So you see Genesis 1.28, that commandment, that mandate, uh, Genesis 2.15. If you do a word search on work and worship and service, you find a single word in Hebrew, avodah, A-V-O-D-A-H. If you look that up, uh, there's a there's a bunch of people that are written on this. There's a new book out just by called uh, Avodah. Uh, it's all about work is worship. Um, you'll find that I'm going to post a link 
in the chat to a little video clip from Right Now Media, which is about this. It just outlines this work is worship. So what is it? The single word in Hebrew, avodah, has three meanings. It means work, it means worship, and it means service. The same word has three different meanings. So you can interchange work, worship, and service. So we have turned worship into something you do on a particular day in a particular location with a particular amount of musicians and so on, and we call that worship. No, 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 no. Uh, In the beginning, a garden, there weren't a bunch of people with instruments running around singing songs. It was the very work of our hands that brings him praise that honors him that when we take what we do we do it unto the lord it brings him great pleasure when we acknowledge him as our source as source of increase the work of our hands becomes worship when i get that understand that then literally night and day day and night let incense arise why because everything I do, my entire life can be a life of worship. The way that I serve my wife, my children, the way that I work and create jobs and benefit a city, the way that I create products that add value to people, all of it can be worship when I do that unto the Lord, understanding that Jesus broke the curse and work is worship, service, and Business is what I do to give glory to God. So that's number two. Number three, anointed work displaces demonic powers. You think work work is good because it's worship? Well, let's take it a step further. In Zechariah 1, 5, we read this prophecy. It says, verse 18, sorry, Zechariah 1, 18. Then I raised my eyes and looked, and there were four horns. And I said to the angel who walked with me, what are these? So he answered me, these are the horns that have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen, four artisans, four people skilled in their craft, business people, people with their work. And I said, what are these coming to do? So he said, these are the horns that scattered Judah so that no one could lift up his head, but the craftsmen the artisans, the skilled workers are coming to terrify them, to cast out the horns of the nations that lifted up their horn against the land of Judah to scatter it. So what does that mean? It means this, that there are demonic powers, principalities and powers, we read that in the New Testament also, that only come to steal, kill, and destroy. They come to scatter you, to cause your head to be bowed down. Uh, Division, uh, all of the things that we're seeing right now, people scattered, scattered from themselves and scattered from one another to disempower them. And then the solution, you'd think perhaps the solution would be some spiritual guru, sensei, pastor, minister, evangelist, prophet, whatever that may be. No, not at all. It says this, the solution is for craftsmen, for artisans, people skilled in their work. Their work destroys the demonic powers oppressing nations. That is powerful. When I recognize that my work is worship, when I recognize that my work is anointed, anointed means to be rubbed or smeared with God, that when I'm yielded and surrendered to Him, 
literally the Holy Spirit comes on me and can take what I do and multiply it may way more powerful what's a practical example of that uh, one of the things in terms of scattering is disease disease scatters disempowers and oppresses people what does business do business can destroy disease let's use an example I've got friends uh, who saw that a particular um, a disease in a particular African country called bli caused blindness, river blindness. It was a worm that caused this. There was a really simple pill that you could take that would kill the worm and break its life cycle. Problem was, no one was really doing it because it wasn't popular, it wasn't getting global attention, so people weren't involved with it. Business people saw the patent come off for this pill and decided, let's do something. So I love this about business to seek the well-being of people. Let's just do something. Don't need approval. Don't need permission. Don't need to go to anybody. Like, let's just do something. So they go to that country, gather other business people, and they raise the funds together to literally give everybody in the entire nation that pill to break the life cycle of that worm, the tropical disease. Over a period of seven years, they eradicated the disease from an entire nation. And then with leftover funds, because they operated so efficiently and effectively, they had funds to give people cataract surgery. So in addition to eradicating the disease from an entire country, they gave sight back to, through cataract surgery, in excess of 20,000 people in one year. What just happened? There was a demonic power disease affecting a nation, causing people to have their heads down. They cannot see. What happened? A bunch of business people took an initiative and said, we can do something, and they eradicated the disease from an entire nation. Is that awesome anointed work displaces demonic powers there's literally things that you can do so we talked about that in a practical sense but literally the spirit or belief behind poverty not just giving people money but actually shifting mentalities and beliefs that's what business does i love it i'm not going to get distracted on this but go and look at that and realize what is it that you're doing and what could that possibly be when I recognize that there's an anointing to what I do with my work? The same anointing on a minister in the pulpit is on you in your workplace. What if I saw it like that and started to minister or serve the people in front of me? Romans 13 talks about the authorities, the, the law enforcement, peacekeepers. So let's just use this for example. Your local police. It says this, they are the ministers of God for your good. They don't carry the sword, or in today's case, the gun, in vain. So what does that mean? That the law enforcement are God's anointed ministers for your good. Wow. They are, go and read it, Romans 13, in the same way that we can recognize that I am a minister of God through whatever work that I do in serving people and shifting the culture and situation and spirit realm around me. It's a crazy invitation and there's so much more on that. So number one, Jesus broke the curse. 
Work is not cursed. It's a blessing and a benefit, and I get to do it with God. Number two, work is worship, avodah. It's service. It's the it's the vehicle by which I add value to others. And when I do it unto the Lord, everything I do becomes worship unto Him. Number three, anointed work displaces demonic powers. That should just get you excited by itself. Number four, Acts 10, 15 is the story of Peter. Now, Peter is a Jew and uh, he has a dream. In the dream, he sees a uh, tarpaulin lowered from heaven. Inside this tarpaulin is all of the animals that are unclean to a Jewish person. And he hears God say, arise, get up and eat. And he's like, I can't, Lord. It's, it's, they'd be unclean. If I touch that, I cannot engage with you. God says, don't call unclean what I have called clean. Three times it happens. Then he wakes up pondering, what on earth was that about? It's like, Kind of like, is that heresy? God speaking against himself. God saying, don't call unclean what I've called clean. Jesus broke the curse and he's expanded who gets in. Now it's not just for Jews, but it's for Gentiles also. So get this. If you were going to expand the ministry of Jesus, what he's done, and you'd think, okay, now we're going to expand it beyond the Jews, who would be the first person that you would choose to pour the Holy Spirit out on? If that was me, I'd be thinking of some noble, righteous person that had a wonderful reputation, uh, had a good reputation with the Jews. So I'd be thinking of maybe a teacher, uh, maybe, uh, maybe someone in the medical field, um, maybe, maybe just a social worker. Perhaps I'd think, who did God choose? X. 10, 15, a professional soldier, not just a professional soldier, but a professional soldier that was part of the occupying force in Israel, the ones that oppressed the Jews. Like, I don't know how many bells and whistles and alarms would go off if that was you, but I would be like, no way, no way. I'm going to my oppressors and God wants to pour out on them also. Go and read the story. Don't call unclean what God has called clean. So literally, Cornelius, the Roman centurion, has a dream, and here's God say, go and reach out to Peter. And so he obeys. Peter has this dream, don't call unclean what God has called clean. Heads out there, because he's following what God has said, and he stands there, and he's now ministering to these Gentiles who are attentively listening to what he has to say. And you jump in there and Peter's preaching, 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 telling them the story of Jesus, who Jesus is, what he's done, how salvation is now available for everybody. He's a little bit struggling with this. And while he is still speaking, the Holy Spirit gets tired of waiting and just jumps on them. And he suddenly realizes, well, I guess don't call unclean what God's called clean. I cannot exclude you. If the Holy Spirit's jumped on you, we might as well baptize you as well. You guys are no longer foreigners and aliens excluded, but you're included, you're in, you get access to this. What's the point? Don't exclude yourself. Do not say that what I do doesn't get to access the power of God, the presence of God, the word of God, the ways of God, the voice of God. Don't you dare call less uh, than 
what it is that God wants to anoint and pour and influence through. Look at the life of Daniel. Look at the life of Joseph. Look at the life of Samson. Look at the life of David. Look at the life of Paul, a murdering religious fanatic, and how God then uses and redeems and restores him as a tent maker, a manufacturer of tents. Don't you dare exclude yourself on what God has called. Don't call unclean what God has claimed clean. Well, I'm in finance. I'm a lawyer. Don't call unclean what God can sanctify, redeem, and make holy and restore. Go and read it. Acts 10, 15. It's powerful. Uh, what are we? Number five, don't limit God to an event. Matthew 6, 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Uh, when he says seek first, God does not do second. There is no such thing as a second class calling, a junior Holy Spirit. Uh, there's not an anointing on the pulpit that is better than what you have in the workplace, in your business. Don't limit God to an event, a location. Don't be a, uh, a Christian that says, I have my quiet time in the morning and then I go to work. Or I have my spiritual class or my Sunday school class or my Sunday worship and then I go to work. No, don't reduce your walk with Jesus to an event. It's not an event. It is a lifestyle. It's everything that I do. Seek first the kingdom of God, period. Whether I am baking bread, teaching students, running for city council, running as a governor, involved in the military, I don't care what it is that you do. Everything that you do, I can seek first the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It's the administration and operating system of Jesus. It gives you power over sin, morality, power over sickness, disease, anything that would take away from life. It gives you power over systems. Think of the systems of the world, poverty systems, so financial systems. What about HR systems? What about systems of, uh, in, a, in, a, in a society, the systems of moving transport and people? The power of God, the kingdom of God gives you power of those systems to come up with solutions of doing things better that result in life for all and gives you power over Satan, the spirit realm. You have power over that. Do not reduce the power of God to an event. It's all of life. Everywhere you go, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's not just his kingdom. It's not just his rule or reign or governance of the operating system, but it's actually his way. So when I go about his work, do it his way. How would God engage with these people? How would God engage with the people that are adverse to him? Go look at what Jesus did. So number one, Jesus broke the curse. Number two, work is worship. Number three, anointed work displaces demonic powers. Number four, don't exclude yourself. Number five, don't limit God to an event. It's a lifestyle. Number, what are we, six? Uh, Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Let God anoint you. I love it how it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Not Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the mighty person, 
Jesus of Nazareth. What good could come out of Nazareth? Oh boy, that's loaded. What good could come out of, you just fill in the blank, what city that? The same that could come out of Nazareth, Jesus, the same spirit on him is the same spirit in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The fullness of God. There is no junior. There's no. It's not like 10%. No, no. It's the fullness of God dwells in you. So what if you let that happen? Say, God, smear me in the same way that you anointed Jesus of Nazareth. That's how he did what he did. He came and he reduced his godness so that he was fully God, fully man. But he didn't operate in his the fullness of his divinity because he allowed the Spirit of God to come upon him so that he could live as a man fully clothed with God to show us that we can do the same again. It's crazy, crazy powerful. Let God anoint you. Don't just reduce your work to good work, but how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil because God was with him. God with me is the distinguishing factor. I jump into Exodus 33. Moses on the mountain has experienced the power of God. He's experienced the direction of God. He's experienced the the protection of God. And he says, I would rather die on this mountain with your presence, with the very person of God, than get to any promised success, uh, the promised land, without you. What's he saying? God said, I'm not going to go with you. My angel will go with you. Which, what does an angel give you? Provision, protection, power, and direction. Well, don't we want that? Well, I do. But Moses says, no deal. I'd rather die on this wilderness than achieve, accomplish, whatever you've even promised me, but without the very person of God with me. So what's the difference? Well, the next verse says, God says, okay, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I would say this is peace, the very person of God with me, this intimate face-to-face relationship with God. That's what I get to have, peace and rest. Rest is not sleeping more. Rest is a state of being where I know that I'm already loved, accepted, adored, and connected, that I'm not working in order to obtain something. I'm working out of something. It's my identity, my nature. It's who I am. I already have value. I already have significance. So I get to work. I don't have to. It is a privilege and a responsibility. And so I get to do this. But get allow God to anoint me, to literally rub me with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> to uh, As Jesus says, is when the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus and remained. Live a life where the Holy Spirit would remain. This face-to-face walk with Him in His presence. Exodus 33 says this, For how will we be distinguished, separate, distinct, set apart from any people on the face of the earth, other than that your presence goes with us? What's the point? I've seen people move in wonderful power of God, voice of God, and still get burned out because there's something about the identity that's broken because they're not walking in communion with God. They're just doing the works of God. Moses didn't just know the works of God. He knew the ways of God, why God does what he does. Uh, God spoke to Abraham and said, before I do something, I communicate with my friends. Be a friend of God. Let 
God anoints you, you walk with him, and you'd be amazed at what then happens. Acts 10.38, how God anointed, the anointing, that's the Holy Spirit, anointed you with the Holy Spirit with power who went about doing good and healing all who oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Uh, grab a hold of the book, uh, Good Morning Holy Spirit by Benny Hinn. Learn about that. Uh, look in the Bible, those scriptures, Acts 10.38, Exodus 33, the story of these people, everyday people who walked face to face with God. They weren't perfect. Look at David, look at Abraham, look at Moses, and yet they accessed something in God because they were friends of him. So we've walked through uh, workers' worship. Uh, Jesus broke the curse. Anointed work displaces demonic powers. Don't exclude yourself. Don't limit God to an event. Let God anoint you. And finally, everything is the Lord's. Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared in advance that we should walk in. There is this wonderful conspiracy. You are the masterpiece of God. It is crazy beautiful what we get to walk out because of what he's done, because he's restored the standard and because so much is going on. It is beautiful. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So I love this story. Uh, We were talking uh, to a bunch of business people And I had my person that doesn't know Jesus, but oversees economic development in the city. So he practically knows how to engage in the well-being of a city. And I brought this guy in to speak to a bunch of Christian business people, how to practically engage in the well-being of a city. And I framed it up by saying, uh, Proverbs says that uh, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great people. That's the gifting of God. When you become good at your craft, it it brings you before people, gives you favor and influence. But it doesn't become an ongoing influence. If you want ongoing influence, Proverbs, I believe it's 21, 22, says this, that he who has grace on his lips... That means my speech elevates the status of my hearers. And a pure heart means I have no agenda for you other than that you prosper. If I have that, then the king will be his friend. Look at the life of Daniel in the Bible. It's three successive kings, demonic kings, and yet Daniel was a phenomenal influencer to them and literally was a key to bringing the Israelites out of slavery in Babylon and back to their promised land. How? Because he was a friend of the king, even an ungodly king. So we just talked about laying a foundation of how do you do that? Well, I've got to have my my speech needs to elevate the status, to value, to honor people, all people, even if I don't agree with them. And number two, my agenda is that they prosper. Now, you and I know that The only way that we know that people would eternally prosper, even in this life, is if they have a living, alive walk with Jesus. But we cannot control that. So in the meantime, we seek the well-being of them, of their people. We serve them. We add value. So we talked about this. Then my unsaved president of the Economic Development Corporation stands up and says, starts to talk about practical strategies to seek the well-being of a city. Are you catching this? He's there because he's my friend, but he's helping these students to practically engage, like how do you infiltrate in a healthy way, serve? How do I engage with the well-being of my city? And so he's teaching them because he trusts me and he knows me and I'm training people how to do this. Well, one of the students says, hang on, sir, excuse me, I have a question. Don't we have an agenda? 
Like, don't we want God to be in charge of the city? And everyone else is like, yeah, yeah, isn't that right? We do have an agenda. My unsaved friend, who's the president of the Economic Development Corporation, says, stop. Stop right there. It's the wrong question. God is in charge of the city. What's the point? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Many Christians think we have to make God in charge of something, not realizing God already is in charge of something. The issue is not God. The issue is us not believing it and then fighting for something that's not a fight. Like, what if we just believed it is the Lord's and then we engage and move and serve and add value everywhere we go, understanding that Jesus broke the curse. My work is worship. That it's not just worship, but it's actually anointed and displaces demonic powers. If I will engage everywhere, there's craziness going on. What if we engaged? Don't exclude myself from receiving the power of God. Don't call unclean what God's called unclean. Engage in politics, engage in government, engage in your city council, engage in your community. Let God anoint you. Don't limit God to an event and understand everything is the Lord's. When I understand all of this, that takes my work and it multiplies its power effectiveness, gives me perfect, give me, gives me purpose, and then I can go for it. So I bless you with this. I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would just flood you wherever you are, that literally the anointing of Jesus would come upon you, that it open your eyes to see that there are many more with us than there are with them, that the kingdom of God is advancing. There is no second, there is no rival, no equal to him and his kingdom. And we get to choose what we're a part of. I bless you to see that, to seize it and advance with this kingdom. I bless you with the courage, the comfort that the Holy Spirit would teach you all that you need to know that you'd advance in this. And I bless you to prosper. If you've got any questions or comments, please don't hesitate to send them through to andy at authentic-solutions.com. Uh, you can post that. You can send that. Make sure that you share this with someone that needs to hear it. Add a comment, post a review, and I look forward to seeing you growing with God in the midst of this messy intersection of faith, family, and business.